Hello and welcome uh, to Portfolio Room podcast, where we explore the trends impacting uh, private equity today. I'm Gleb Ismailov, private equity CFO specialist in Privatel. Excited to have our guest, Andre. Good afternoon. Joining today, um, and Andre is the current uh, CFO for Open Claims, uh, intru- worked with Velocity, GIMF, Sequa, Battery Ventures, and many other private equity houses, more than 20 years of software experience in PA-backed companies. And today we are going to discuss private equity's demand for software in the times of economic instability. Andre? Yes, thanks, Gleb, for inviting me for this podcast and uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, Indeed, uh, yeah, I've been CFO for quite some time already, uh, over almost 30 years experience in finance and uh, almost the last 12 of 20 years, indeed, as a CFO. Worked, uh, yeah, still at Open Claims uh, as, as interim currently. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, I started my company in 2018, uh, to help startups and scale-ups, uh, with all can kind of challenges they, uh, they had in, um, in, in the growth phase, in their, in, yeah, in their, their internalization, for instance, uh, but also in the building a foundation, uh, for growth. Yeah. So, uh, business, uh, seasoned business CFO, I would say. So. Andre, I think, you know, for our audience it will be very interesting to you get your feeling about software sector. And, you know, you can see that software sector kept, uh, certainly well in terms of activity comparing to other sectors like healthcare and manufacturing, especially in healthcare. We saw a big decrease of deal activity. And perhaps you can give an insight, uh, into how approach has changed about software. Is it still the same or in terms of Investors' interest. Yeah, good one. Um, because uh, there, I, I see quite some change. You know, the general approach has, has swifted, I would say, uh, from rapid growth to more sustainable business. And uh, I mean, with sustainable business, is more EBITDA positive, focus, and cash flow positive. And uh, I think the example in the in the medtech, what you see is that there is a lot of money has to go in first to to, to generate money. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you need to invest, you need to new, new products, but also, uh, potentially new medicines. So yeah, there's, a, there's a Swift, there's a general Swift is a company uh, in the short term more even that positive and cash flow positive. Then uh, there's a more focus on these kind of these types of companies. So, you know, the, the, uh, the, the companies with a lot of, uh, which need a lot of money to invest, uh, in, and, and will be. Potentially, even that positive in the next uh, over two or three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, that's not a focus. That's not the approach. Really, short term, even uh, post positive and cash flow positive. That's what you see. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- uh, yeah, according to my opinion, uh, what what I see in the market uh, right now. Yep, yep. I agree. This this also what I hear around the market in terms of uh, from investors. And what do you think? You know, in terms of inflation has uh, risen a lot in the Benelux market and just in Europe in general. How do you think it's going to also touch uh, software and IT service industry? Yeah, well, I think it will touch for, for definitely will touch what you see uh, first uh, from the customer side. So the uh, the customers of the software industry, uh, I think they increase or, or accelerate their investment in, in, in software mm-hmm. because I think they, they, you know, software will take over uh, the humankind, the human factor, uh, and the human factor is expensive. It's more and more expensive, and I think there's there's the angle to inflation. You know, mm-hmm. uh, salaries has increased, personal cost has increased, 
So they accelerate their investments in software. So software companies, I think they, they do have business. They, they see business because companies are accelerating in, 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 in automation. Uh, in, in order to basically, you know, save, uh, save cost and, and, um, you know, focus on, on cost cutting, not cost cutting, but cost efficiency would say mm-hmm. that, uh, but also efficiency in general. More automations mean, mean, uh, mean more efficiency and that's helping, um, their business to grow, mm-hmm. uh, and, and not invest in, uh, in personnel, which are definitely more expensive due to the inflation. So, it affects it, but it has also swift the from focus more in automation and more in, in efficiency uh, with systems with with uh, yeah products like like uh, within open claims or others. Yep. So you would say that for software business, it's not like like the cost is more in human capitals, so like salaries, rather than like let's say fixed costs like rent uh, or other like like for example for manufacturing, right? For them, it's not just the salaries increased; it's also all the taxes, all the, you know, all the supply chain has increased in software. You don't have to deal with this that much. No, yeah, but that has that to do with inflation. It's more a focus, mm-hmm. what you see within, which, you know, the other point within, mm-hmm. the, uh, within the industry, that they don't have offices anymore mm-hmm. because it's not, it's not used anymore. After, after COVID, the corona period, you see a lot of people working from home or working hybrid. Mm-hmm. So I think that's in general cost-cutting exercise, you know, less cost because it's, the office isn't used anymore in, in, in the in extension before COVID. Yeah. So, um, of course, inflation, you know, increasing the cost, but I think that's that was more kind of part of it. They was already focusing in cost-cutting, mm-hmm. but for, for more customer side, they want to automate because of, you know, inflation. Uh, for example, last year, uh, the inflation uh, was about 10%. Yeah. Uh, in many contracts, you see the inflation, uh, you know, prices can be can be adjusted to the inflation ratio, which is a lot. 10% increase is serious. So, uh, you know, uh, I think they, they, and if you increase your software cost by 10%, yep. you, you're probably going to, to have less people because you, you basically, you want to reduce costs. And then when your software goes up 10%, some, so somewhere it needs to go down. Yep. With more than ten percent, I, I, I agree with you here. And from the also, you know, in terms of piece uh, of uh, like investments, you know, in terms of in the sector, because you've been there for yeah. a long time in this industry. What interesting trends you seeing, like in terms of uh, software investments? Is it going to be more uh, like next year? Let's say demand going to be more for B two B businesses or more like for B two C investments? Uh, I, w- I would say to, uh, still B two B because in terms of money mm-hmm. to invest, uh, that's less than uh, than B two C. You see, B two C is a very strong competition; yeah. is a very competitive market. Uh, you name them; it it is com- uh, competitive. There's a lot of marketing money mm-hmm. should go in. So the stakes in B two C companies are much higher, uh, my perspective, because you need to invest. You need to invest. You need to. Uh, gain market share. Mm-hmm. Um, so B2C, of course, B2B, of course, you want to uh, gain market share or, as well. Uh, but the stakes, uh, the money is, is less than in, uh, in B2C. So I expect a swift to B2B mm-hmm. and, and, and also let's say the mid-sized, uh, private equity or VC com- mm-hmm. companies, they definitely will focus on, on B2B, uh, where the bigger, the bigger firms, the bigger uh, VCs, with a lot of you know big funds 
they might yeah. uh, might consolidate, want to go to B2C, but put there a lot of money in there. Mm-hmm. So uh, in terms of money, I think it goes to B2C. Mm-hmm. In terms of numbers, you B2B. know, it goes to B2B, I yep. would say. Yep, makes sense. Because I guess also the tra- right, the demand and the trend, like even in, the, in terms of economic instability, B2B trend will be more stable, I guess, than BCA. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a more long-term business. Yeah. I think B2C is a, Yeah, very short term oriented, I would say, you know, again, that's my opinion. Uh, uh, B2C is more short term oriented uh, focused business, you know, Mm -hmm. gain market share. If your market share, then consolidate and being taken over or take over, you know, consolidation. And then at the end, uh, either it's, it's, uh, you're going to stock exchange or, you know, uh, it will be more strategic sell from by another. So it's more. Volatile, I would say that market in terms of movements in, in consolidation, in, in money put in, uh, but also in uh, in uh, selling your stake again. But, yeah, but also in uh, but, but I, you know, secondly, and then you see that in this you know this market where the delivery, the the, the food delivery, mm-hmm. uh, it's very competitive. You know, the gorillas. There's a lot of consolidation. You know, it's so highly competitive. Yeah. So much money. Uh, has to be put in that, that you see that their companies, uh, stop working or stop existing or being, being taken over. Mm-hmm. But do they earn money? I don't know. I don't think so. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, money intensive. Mm-hmm. I would say that these markets to B2C. Yeah. And in your opinion, also, which countries will become more attractive for private equity investments over, let's say, the five years? Will it be in terms of Benelux? Will it be ne- Netherlands, Luxembourg, or Belgium? Because Netherlands is still the most popular one, right? But may- will this change? Yeah, uh, I don't have a glass ball to say no, no. But uh, but uh, you know, from point of view, where I say you know which city country yeah. is able to attract workforce and to um, uh, retain workforce, you know, and I mean, uh, is it an attractive market? Is it is it is you know, first of all, is the Scale up environment is, is that, is, is that, yeah, existing. But, but from a, from a point of view, is there housing? Is there, you know, tax related? Mm-hmm. I think definitely that, that's, I think need to sustain. I think we do have in the Netherlands quite a good system so far, but, but Belgium, I know is starting with that as well. Luxembourg, uh, I know a little bit less, but definitely they're working on that as well. So, you know, it all depends on housing, uh, uh, yeah, the cost of living, mm-hmm. how much expect. What I definitely uh, see happening is a swift from cities. Mm-hmm. You know, Amsterdam had, uh, um, was or, or maybe still is a hub for, for technology, mm-hmm. you know, for scale-up startups. But that might swift. Rotterdam is, is increasing, I know, but even other cities might be uh, attractive because of housing and also the cost of mm-hmm. living. So it might be that, you know, they move to, to Belgium, but in Belgium, it may be not Antwerp or, or Brussels, but smaller cities mm-hmm. and same in Luxembourg. So I, it's difficult to say, but, but, you know, if I have to appoint the country, I would say the Netherlands, yep. but sure, a big runner up is Belgium, mm-hmm. uh, Luxembourg. It's a small city. It's a small country. It's almost a, a big city. I would say, uh, do, you know, housing is that available? What's the uh, the cost of living there? For me, hard to say. So yeah, that's that's my opinion. Sure. sure. And what do you think then will be you know in terms of re- regulation? Because uh, I'm sure that you heard and saw that 
regulatory hurdles affected healthcare industry a lot uh, in terms of you know revenue yeah. margin. Mm-hmm. Do you think this also applies to software companies, and is it an issue? Um, you know, from my experience, I didn't face a lot of hurdles. You know, mm-hmm. regulatory hurdles uh, so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and so didn't affect the business or, or uh, delay the business, I would say. I can imagine a medtech, it's a little yeah. bit difficult. And even in the, in, the, in the food tech, I would say, you know, there it's, it's about food and, and medicines mm-hmm. and, and, and medical devices. That's different. So, but in software, I would say there, there aren't hurdles. Mm-hmm. But what I do believe that we're going to face some hurdles. Uh, especially, you know, with the uh, artificial intelligence coming in, often, you know, entering with yeah. a, with a high speed software mm-hmm. companies. I think there we're going to see hurdles. We're going to see regulatory hurdles because, uh, you know, the EU, EU, European Union is looking also on potential regulations because, you know, uh, and I think that's a simple question. What's fake or real? You see a lot right now, you know, so I think it's good to have regulations there. Does it uh, impact uh, software business? Yes, I think it will impact software business. So uh, it, does it hurt it? I don't know, but definitely it might delay things or it might change the, you know, uh, the, the planning of, uh, of, of development. That definitely will, will happen. And I think, from my point, I think it's good mm-hmm. that it's, that's happening because, uh, you know, uh, we want to stay in a world where we believe things or what we see. It's true, yep. uh, but we, I think we are on, on an edge where, where things are getting a little bit blurry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, deep down, nobody wants that. That You know, that is, uh, you have to ask yourself, is it fake or is it real? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's this, uh, a, a new question which is coming up, which is a little bit unknown for everybody yep. and also uh, scary as well, in my opinion. So I think the... For for now, there's no there. I don't see any hurdles. I think, uh, from uh, from my point of view, the, the you know the the regulations and even the, the subsidies are uh, or the support, the financial support from for from the government uh, are helping mm-hmm. the businesses. But I think there will will come regulations for the for sure. Yep. Yep. I see. I see. Um, yeah. It's it's it. That's... But 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 yeah. And to and to add, Glab, uh, it's. Uh, it will be a common or, or a common uh, regulation. So not only from the government, but also companies, yeah. software companies should be involved. You know, they need to, you know, they need to take their responsibility. And I think that's something which is, is out there for a long time. Uh, you know, the social, the social networks, they should take responsibility what's out there on their networks. Uh, but I think companies in AI also should take their responsibility and for sure. They, you know, seriously, they need to take their responsibility. Indeed, I think now is the, you know, the perfect time, as you said, that for the companies and the government and the, you know, community to cooperate together. You can't be just a separate, you know, especially in software, as you said, because AI, you know, all of these technologies have a big effect on community. And if they're, yeah, true. yeah, if they're not going to be, you know, if they're not going to be in conversation with the government, it can lead to disaster, essentially. So. Absolutely, absolutely, I totally agree on and, that. You know, in terms of also uh, M&A activity, deal activity, you know, just your opinion as a CFO, do you think it's more, uh, it's better and makes sense to buy a competitor or rather just concentrate on organic growth and build the company? What is more successful in your experience? Um, 
I don't have a clear answer on that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, depending case by case. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you want to enter a market, a new market, uh, international, uh, for my experience, if if you know if the entry to barrier, the cost mm-hmm. of uh, to enter that market is very high, I would say take over a competition. You know, uh, then, and then particularly in that market you're looking for, because that goes quicker. You have customers already. Uh, for instance, Germany. I know Germany well. You know, having customers there takes a while, it takes at least an investment of a year. If you start from scratch, you know, building a relationship, it's very important there. So, you know, better to buy a company because you have customers and you have local knowledge mm-hmm. and you have a local language as well. So uh, I would say yes. Uh, and, but in some cases, if, you know, if it, it's a product which is more common and can even be steered out of the other country, and then there may be more B2C or a product which is, yeah, it's low touch. You know, you can buy it via, via internet, you, can, you know, by the web shop, whatever. Not B2C, but B2B, but, you know, uh, quite transactional. Why should you buy a competition? You know, just spend spend a yeah. lot of marketing money and you will gain market share yeah. for sure. So it's case, case it by case. Uh, both has their advantage but depending on on the stage on what what product you yeah. have and the cost of of, uh, of entry you know of, of a market or or, or a region yeah and under on, on this side by the way you mentioned just wanted to ask at the question you mentioned you know because you had experience working with you know german clients as you said and uh, and the benelux as well would you say like it's a you know because two countries two regions are in this in in europe right but would you say that customers are way more different, like in terms in terms of how you need to approach them, or it's it's kind of similar? Like, no, I th- I w- yeah, from my experience, it's kind of similar. Know. You know, especially uh, I've worked for a lot of in the enterprise sales, mm-hmm. so the the you know the corporates, yeah. uh, the multinationals, and they work exactly the same. You know, although they have made more focus on automation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they still, you know, have their processes, they have their, all their departments you have to go through, you have to deal with. So, uh, no, and maybe more the, 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 the mid-sized companies, yep. you know, the SMBs, yes, they, they, they change. They have the urge and they want to act quickly. Uh, they, they, they can decide yep. more, more faster. Mm-hmm. But, but the corporates, uh, definitely not. I see. And also, you know, I'm sure your answer to this will probably be yes, because you've been concentrating in, you know, software. Uh, most of your experience, would you consider software as a defensive, you know, software sector as a defensive investments for uh, private equity house investments? And 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 then the, the, for, for me, defensive, I see to stay ahead of the competition. Yeah. Is that what you see? Defense, yeah. yes, definitely. definitely. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. But also as a growth investment, mm-hmm. because you want to you you want to grow, you want to you want to you know uh, um, gain more customers. Yeah. Let the world see your product you know how good it is yeah. and then so it is definitely also a growth investment but yeah you're right stay ahead of competition yeah if you if you see the money where i've seen you know the funds i we received as companies in the past the several companies i worked for uh half of it now maybe maybe yeah at least goes to development yep. so meaning stay ahead of competition you know be better than the rest mm-hmm. so is that defensive Yes. On the other hand, it's also, uh, uh, you know, uh, professionalize your product, be, make it better. Mm-hmm. And from, from there you grow. Yep. I, I think I agree with you. Even like when I speak, you know, with manufacturing CFOs or, you know, from other industries that those who invest into tech 
you can see that you know when they also look at you know new technologies you can see that they you know definitely save costs increase their margins so yeah i agree with you that exactly and yeah. as we can see yeah. statistically wise as well from private equity that uh yeah the profit hasn't fallen that much during during even you know economic crisis in software. True, and true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally, just wanted you know to because uh, you've been in this game for a long time. Uh, what would you say you know for yeah. CFOs and for finance directors who are only starting, let's say in the P private equity world, what are th three top must do things you know a CFO finance director should do when joining a portfolio company? Uh, yeah, for sure. The, the first uh, which came to my mind was a transparent communication. You know, be open. Uh, trans you know, mm -hmm. communicate what you what you think is important for them, and even sometimes over communicate mm -hmm. because the poor, the, you know, the, the investment company will will push you back, saying, you know, this is too much or this is too less. Mm -hmm. So be open to that. Be be transparent in communication. Uh, you know, it might sometimes a little bit you're defensive yeah. when when uh, when the PE starts. You might be a little bit defensive on, on what they want, no. But be open, be transparent, because they can help you finally uh, if you have questions. Uh, secondly, deliver on time, mm -hmm. you know, and and be realistic. Say, uh, I can't make it right now, or like uh, you know, next week uh, Friday you'll have it, uh, but deliver that on time. And doesn't say on a Thursday, the day before, I can't make it. Sorry, it will be a week later. No, deliver on time. So be realistic, be clear. And explain also why it's on a Friday or which day you know you're planning to deliver mm -hmm. or communicate. And then last but not least, uh, for sure, and I think it touched a little bit on a be vulnerable. You know, ask for help if you need something. What do they expect from you? You know, what what do they want to know? And uh, you know, ask them and yeah, be be in in contact yep. with them about about what they expect and uh, what you have to learn and 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 where you can learn. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely important to be successful. Well, on the last point, you mean that, for example, always be you mean in conversations with your investors, basically uh, overlooking them. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But also push back eh, if necessary. You know, we can't do that now, right now. We don't do that, or we don't have that information. And uh, I didn't know, uh, you know, and uh, or sorry, say even sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Easier said than done, but yeah, and, be be vulnerable. Would, absolutely. Would you also put here, uh, you know, establish the good connection with CEO, right? I guess it's also very, uh, very important uh, for. Yeah, that yeah to be yeah I, even and that is for me kind of given. You know, mm -hmm. I think you know if you start somewhere as a CFO, uh, you're you're recruited by mainly the CEO, mm -hmm. uh, and you know uh, there there there's already kind of good relationship mm -hmm. in terms of you know you fit to each other you. You, you have your sparring partners, yeah. both sides. So it, it's kind of given. But you're right. Definitely establish a strong relationship with the CEO because uh, I think that is uh, the number one priority for the private, private equity behind it because they want an, a strong management team. They want good relations there. They want partnership. Yeah. Definitely, yes. Good point. Good, Andre. Then thank you for your time. I knew you know, that this discussion uh will be filled with forward thinking and you know great advices and great stories uh, which totally as well blown my expectations and i really just wanted again to thank you for stopping by in our uh, show uh, podcast and i think our audience will get a lot from this not just investors but also you know finance people who are just starting and looking their way to become a cfo yeah. one day uh, from this tremendous yeah, discussion 
So I really appreciate your time. Uh, look yep. forward to meet you. No problem. Well see you more in the future. Good to uh, good to be on board sure. for this time. Thank you, Andre. And thanks. Good luck with all the podcasts. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye.